Hey y'all, I'm Elliot Hall, and welcome to another episode of The Journey to St. Andrews. Excited to be back. Uh, I had to take a week uh, off of the podcast just because of uh, just how busy we were, and part of that I'll be talking about. I was actually uh, at East Lake uh, during during the Tour Championship uh, last Sunday, which is when I normally do do these podcasts. But anyways, I'm actually a week out later. We're just finishing up Labor Day with the family and taking a little time to play a little recap on really that whole week of East Lake and... I got to go a few times. It was a great time. Got to go with some friends and business associates and and uh, um, and also family. Um, got to take my wife on Sunday. So we'll talk about all that. And also, um, I kind of realized that in order to give context to this podcast, um, the overall goal is, of course, to you know shoot 85, break 85 at St. Andrews in a year, which uh, we just passed. Uh, so we are less than one year away now. So it's going to be getting more and more real every single week that we're uh, catching up and, and chatting. So anyways, that being said, it's time for me to start taking this uh, very seriously, which I definitely have been. Um, as y'all know, I've dropped my score uh, from well over 100 um, and into the 90s over the past few months. And uh, now the St. Andrews trip opportunity has really just helped solidify it. But there's also a few other reasons that I've been wanting to just improve my golf game. Some personal. I just, you know, I'm 36. I would love to play this uh, game for another 30 to 40 years uh, easily if I, you know, maintain health and and get good at the game. And also, you know, it, it helps me think of places to travel to and, and have something to do when I go there. Um, but in addition to that, I also, uh, as I've mentioned a little bit, I have a brewery called Firemaker Brewing out of Atlanta, Georgia. We're in we're in downtown, uh, so uh, if you're ever in Atlanta, please come by and uh, check us out. But I wanted to talk a little bit about that because not only do we have the brewery, and um, uh, of course we sell numerous beers all over the state of Georgia, but we also have a particular beer, which I've mentioned, is the Calamity Jane beer, which we partner with the uh, Georgia PGA on. So there's a lot of overlap, I guess, between this personal goal that I want to do, the hobby and love of golf I've had for years, and the more recent uh, availability to now try to improve my game uh, now that things have gotten... um, I've just made it more of a priority. Uh, The businesses and um, everything like that were always um, number one. So that all being said, I figured this would be a little bit different. Uh, of an episode, and some episodes will be like this, where I'd kind of talk about the brewery for context, this beer, the partnership with the PGA, and then we also recap the uh, the Tour Championship and, and me getting to go to Eastlake as well this episode. I'm sure we'll... Uh, also, I really didn't get a whole lot of time to practice because uh, really that week was devoted to Eastlake and just other things going on um, with the business. So all that being said, I... Uh, want to have episodes that are <laughs> not getting to practice is the reason we won't be diving too much into that. I'll touch on it a little bit because I did I did do just a little bit of practicing. Um, but I also didn't play any golf either. Uh, all my extra time was devoted to uh, Eastlake. So these episodes where we're not talking about practicing or maybe I didn't get a chance to practice is where you'll learn more about me and, and kind of get some like insight into why I'm doing this, or, or, or more motivation to, to do this is maybe a better way to say it. So, 
since we're going to be talking about the brewery and Calamity Jane, I figured I should start this uh, episode with a crack and open a Calamity Jane. That is the crisp, cold sound of a new beer. Um, so we'll dive into Calamity in just a second. But let's start with uh, Firemaker Brewing. Firemaker Brewing is uh, my brewery. It's uh, family owned and uh, operated uh, by myself. And we opened March 6th of 2020. So perfect time to open a retail establishment. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we closed on March 15th of 2020 due to uh, COVID, as everybody remembers and uh, dealt with. And we all know where we were when that all started to go down. So anyways, uh, we closed. We opened back up again when we were able to. Uh, sorry, one second. I'm going to take a sip of this beer. We opened back up when we were able to and, you know, did all the things everybody was doing. Uh, and we uh, made it through the summer of 2020. Uh, a lot of that was help from our distributors and then also the support of the community around us coming into our tap room. So in Georgia... If you have a brewery, uh, we're, we're more of a production brewery where we distribute uh, our beer to wholesalers and then they distribute it throughout uh, their territories. Uh, we just recently went statewide about six months ago. So it took three years to do that. Um, we plan to do it faster, but really 2020 and most of 2021 were, I don't want to call them a wash, but definitely not uh, your normal uh, retail and distribution um uh, opening for a brewery. Um, I've been in the alcohol industry my entire career, uh, I guess technically before uh, <laughs> before starting in college, uh, as one does. Um, but uh, after that, I, uh, I've been in alcohol. I've been in the alcohol industry uh, since since I was in my early uh, 20s and a little before if uh, you count like retail and, and college. So a while. And anyways, um, got to start or, or help launch uh, on the distribution side. Um, a lot of small brand new craft breweries also got to uh, see bigger breweries come in into the state of Georgia and how execution on that would uh, happen. And I grew up homebrewing with my uh, with my dad and family, and so uh, he was also always into um, uh, homebrewing as, as we got older and good beers and uh, it was really more imports back in the 90s but uh, so he uh, he, he kind of spurred that and then uh, um, also for a while my uh, brother worked for uh, one of the biggest um, uh, alcohol <laughs> alcohol companies in the, the world uh, back in the 90s uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch so anyways um that home brewing I took with me to college, and I also did in my twenties when I was selling alcohol in, earlier in my career. And so it was really like just kind of craft beer, home brewing, uh, all all around me. And at some point, I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. So uh, slowly, uh, I developed a business plan for a brewery, and uh, I knew I was a good enough home brewer to know I needed a professional brewer. So that was one of the first people we hired. We found a piece of property uh, after lots and lots of searching uh, for the right one. And Firemaker slowly came to be. And that, <laughs> in and of itself, is the fastest way to really say that. Uh, it is a much deeper, longer story with a lot of help from a lot of people, a lot of support uh, from from my wife to my family to friends. Um, but uh, who knows? Maybe that's a whole other uh, episode or, shoot, that could be a whole whole other podcast. But 
uh, don't have time for that. So anyways, uh, Firemaker, um, it's definitely uh, one of the biggest joys of my life uh, and accomplishments. And um, uh, it's uh, also what helps uh, feed my family. So very important uh, to me. And we have just been... Uh, Growing, fortunately, since uh, COVID and uh, coming out of 2021 and getting more into uh, what we, I guess, is the new normal in 2022 and then now uh, 2023, halfway through. So um, we have been growing. We've grown our distribution. We started with just Greater Atlanta and then just kind of kept moving out. And along the way, you're making different beers. In fact, I I, I make the comment all the time that we're really evolving into a, a beverage company. Um, we have a lot of beers, but we also have... Uh, canned water, RTDs, spiked coconut water, and uh, anyway, so we're we're kind of evolving as the industry is as well. But um, what happened when we were opening the brewery is down the road from us a uh, golf course, which I've mentioned plenty of times, uh, the Bobby Jones uh, course in Atlanta was just going un- undergoing a brand new renovation, and that renovation was. Um, basically turning it into a reversible nine-hole course. And I have to say, it is one of the most unique and uh, um, beautiful courses, especially for a nine-hole reversible, which you can only play nine holes, um, and they alternate it every other day, and it really does feel like a different nine each time you play it. But there's, uh, we'll do a whole podcast on Bobby Jones Golf Course. Uh, anyway, so when they were opening, we, uh, through some... Uh, with us opening the brewery and them opening the, uh, the, the golf course, we ended up chatting with uh, managers over there and we were like, you know what? It'd be really cool to come up with a beer for here. And uh, I loved the idea of a golf beer. I didn't want it to be some triple IPA or bourbon barrel stout or anything like that. I'm a golfer. And I was like, I let's make a beer for golfers uh, by made by golfers. And so we came up with uh, what was to become Calamity Jane, which is of course named after uh, Bobby Jones's putter, which he won the Grand Slam with uh, uh, nearly 100 years ago now. So it is a very easy drinking, crisp, light beer, blonde ale, and uh, it's perfect for uh, out on the course. And that's what I'm sipping on right now. So that was really it. We sold it in the tap room. We sold it um, predominantly to uh, Bobby Jones golf course and uh, but we also sold it uh, to some other places as well and over time um, other people started to recognize it and uh, wanted to see it in more places uh, a man named Whitney Krause reached out to me uh, after having the beer and just loving the uh, you know we're, we're an Atlanta-based brewery and Atlanta entrepreneurs Bobby Jones uh, he was a an Atlanta-based entrepreneur and of course a world-famous golfer um, and uh so there was a lot of like just synergy between between the two and um, anyways Winnie Krause who actually manages that golf course uh, with his company he reached out and was like I love this beer is there any way to get it into cans and get it into you know more of his uh, golf courses that he manages uh, or his company does and after uh, uh, several conversations we came up with a can and design art uh, um, we used our artist we used for all the cans and he did a great job and then uh, we got a lot of input back and. Anyways, so then we had cans, and uh, I'll post some pictures, and it's also all over uh, our webpage and everything like that, so if you want to see it, just go to my Instagram page, but after that happened, then we uh, ended up starting conversations with the uh, Georgia PGA, and um, 
they liked the beer. I ended up chatting with the executive director, Scott uh, Geary. Um, and over time, we were like, you know what? I think this uh, would be a really cool partnership. So we did that as well. So now um, Calamity has partnered with Georgia PGA. You can see it on our can. And anyways, what what I'm building to is, is now it's really becoming like the unofficial beer of Georgia golf. And, and we're really proud of that. And we're really excited to have, you know, so much support behind it. And our distributors are, are very behind as well. And it's one of our uh, best sellers. So, uh, you know, I love all the beers uh, that we make. Um, some are like my particular favorites for taste. Others are my particular favorites for certain dinners. And then others, of course, like, you know, Calamity Jane is my golf beer, um, without a doubt. And all that uh, to be said that now we are in more and more golf tournaments. I'm playing in more tournaments. Uh, the company's uh, out representing at more tournaments. And so there's just a lot of like me already loving the game of golf and then all these sort of things happening to spur um, me just getting better at golf and finally taking the time and, and, and kind of having a reason to make sure I take the time has been uh, fantastic. And so it's been a very interesting journey. And um, that is Firemaker and Calamity Jane in a nutshell, uh, for sure. But speaking of Calamity Jane and Bobby Jones, uh, let's dive into Eastlake. So Eastlake, if you are not familiar, is uh, a private course in Atlanta, Georgia. It was established in 1904. And um, has been home to um, the Ryder Cup, um, multiple amateur um, tournaments. Uh, of course, uh, more recently, the Tour Championship has been played there and also uh, was the home course of Bobby Jones. Uh, he, uh, It's rumored that he played his first round of golf there and also his last round of golf there. And it was his uh, definitely his home course. Uh, he lived in Atlanta and he was the president of it, um, I think in the like, mid-40s. So anyways, um, uh, the trophy room there, which I've uh, been fortunate enough to see, uh, there's a lot of dedicated stuff um, to Bobby Jones there. So very iconic in the legend of Bobby Jones, and also just a iconic Atlanta landmark. I mean, it is, uh, it's a beautiful course. It's uh, um, very tough to play. I've got to play it one time in the past. Uh, I wish I could play it uh, again now that I'm a lot better because <laughs> I was not at the time, but uh, but we had a good time. So um, anyways, that is where the Tour Championship has uh, been held, um, of course, over the um, most recent years, and I've got to go a few times. So it was established, the, the course, in 1904. So there's a clubhouse there, and that's called the 1904 Club. And uh, that's where we went during during the week is... We were able to get some 1904 tickets, and when you have the 1904 tickets, you get to hang out in the clubhouse, and then also go out on the grounds and watch the uh, watch the match and see everybody come through. But it's neat because you get the trophy room, you get to see a lot of the history, which is which is really neat. And we got to go on Wednesday, so we got to see people practice, and uh, we took some business associates, some of our distributors, um, actually some people from our biggest distributor, and. Uh, um, that was the, one of the distributors that really helped us out, uh, during, uh, COVID, like I was mentioning with Firemaker. So they're big golfers, love golf, and it's always fun to take somebody who really enjoys it and, you know, really, really appreciates being there. And, uh, you know, we all work real hard in the industry, uh, 
for sure. I was on the distribution side. I know we work hard on the brewing side. And so it's good to uh, get a chance to go celebrate and, uh, you know, just in, enjoy uh, enjoy some of the, the benefits of working in the alcohol industry. So then also on Friday, I got to go with uh, some of the PGA guys, and uh, that was fun too. Um, Calamity, this is our first year uh, with our partnership, and Calamity's done real well. So we had to go out there and watch everybody come through. Uh, I was rooting for uh, Morikawa. <laughs> he was doing great after uh, Thursday, and uh, I wanted to see how he was going to do. But uh, unfortunately, I mean, he still did well, and I think took home millions of dollars at the end of the uh, tournament. So he's doing fine. Uh, also, uh, it was really cool to see uh, Fowler um, really come back strong uh, midsummer, and uh, got to see him actually uh, out there at East Lake. Uh, so was hoping he'd uh, you know get in the top ten. I think he, he tied for fifteenth or sixteenth. So also once again, he did fine. Um, but it really was uh, quite fun on, on Sunday to go out and get to watch a uh, Hovland. Um, I went back out there with family on Sunday, uh, my brother and his wife, and I got to take my wife as well, which, um, uh, that was just a, uh, really, really special day. And anyway, so, but yeah, Hovland was on fire. Uh, anybody watching, um, uh, throughout the weekend could tell that. And, uh, he was playing, uh, somebody said surgically, and I really liked that because it was, I mean, he was so precise. He was so on, nothing was shaking him. Uh, it was funny, like, we were watching him, you know, come through, and, uh, of course, you know, this is professional golfer's day job, <laughs> but even when you're playing for $18 million, you would think that, like, there's a little bit of pressure, and he's he's just chatting away, or, like, one time he was, like, I don't know, like, eating, eating like, a cliff bar or something, I don't remember, just, like, it's another day, <laughs> even though he's he's in the running to like $18 million or, or 9 or 10 even if he uh, uh, <laughs> hadn't uh, finished first. But uh, so anyways, we actually had a rain delay on Sunday. And um, it's always interesting when you're at a tournament and there's a rain delay. But uh, uh, it's amazing how quickly they put these premier courses back together. And Eastlake is one of them. Like you, you can't even tell. Um, and in Georgia, there's always going to be scattered showers, but there was a rain delay on Saturday and on Sunday, which, uh, of course, uh, kind of threw stuff off the game. <laughs> Went pretty late on Sunday because of that. But um, anyways, uh, also, it was good to see uh, Rory come back on the back nine as well. Uh, he plays uh, the back nine at Eastlake uh, really well, and uh, I'm still rooting for him to uh, get his grand slam, uh, just like Bobby Jones did. Um, but... Uh, Anyways, that's the Masters, and I hope he gets that uh, in his career. Been watching him. Uh, we're actually the same age, and I remember watching him when he was first becoming a elite, world-famous golfer, so it would be really cool to see him finish out his career with that at some point in the future. And also, my bad, I kind of got away from myself. I got a, I've started actually doing a few notes uh, for these podcasts, just you know, as I think of them. But I didn't even mention what uh, the Tour Championship is. I guess if you are listening to this podcast, and definitely if you're listening 21, 22 minutes into it, I would say uh, you probably do. But for those who don't, uh, the Tour Championship is the uh, final match of the uh, Tour season. And it is always played at Eastlake here in Atlanta, Georgia, which is kind of cool. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second uh, for Many reasons it's cool, but I'll get back to that. Anyways, um, it is the top 30 players and um, the, truly the top, the people who have scored the best 
throughout the entire season, they all go to compete for uh, one of the biggest uh, purses um, of the entire uh, championship. So it's uh, the best of the best normally are there, and it's definitely the people you've been following throughout the season. It's the people who have been uh, really performing. So it's it's a cool, uh, of course, it's not a major, but it is, uh, it's way up there. Um, but I'm a little biased because uh, I'm from Atlanta. So anyways, that is the Tour Championship if you don't know what it is. What is cool for us in Georgia, though, is... Of course, the golf season starts before the Masters, but well, once again, uh, Bobby Jones. Uh, the Masters is played every year um, in Augusta, at, you know, Augusta National. And it's not the very beginning of the golf season, but it's very close. And especially in a lot of places where that's really when you can start playing again. We're fortunate in Georgia to have a long uh, playable uh, golf season here for us, you know, uh, ga- casual golfers and amateurs, but uh, around the rest of the you know country and world, you know, you got five to six months, maybe seven, eight months that you can actually play. So for us in Georgia, we got the Masters, which goes off right at the beginning of April, and then it is just like <laughs> wide open golf, uh, and it's played here every year, which is really unique. Then at the end of the uh, um, season, we get uh, the East Lake Tournament and seeing the uh, Tour Championship. So. It's pretty cool. Uh, we're fortunate here uh, for for the, for those reasons that, that they're just absolutely at the same place, which is not the same with um, the Open or any of the other majors. So, uh, according to my notes, we talked about Firemaker, Calamity Jane, Bobby Jones, and of course East Lake and the Tour Championship. So, the journey to St Andrews is underway, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, and. I am practicing as much as I can, um, and unfortunately I only got out, or didn't get out, I have set up a net in my backyard, and it was about 100 bucks, I think, maybe 89, 100 bucks on Amazon. Comes a little stand, kind of like you're setting up a tent, and you put it out in your backyard, you put it up, and now you got a net. Then I also got a, a mat, I think that was 50 bucks or so, and then like a, a few, uh, a couple dozen golf balls and then a, a sleeve that will pick them up. And so that is when I absolutely can't get out to play or have a formal lesson. Um, that is what I get out and do. And I wanted to mention that because it just goes to show that there are ways. I mean, I've got an 11-month-old. Uh, she'll be one in just a couple of weeks. And, of course, a business to run and everything else, uh, family, friends, and obligations. And so... I'm just trying to say that even if you are trying to improve your game, if you're trying to get better, there are little things you can do. And so when I go and I hit on that, am I learning exactly what I'm doing wrong? No. But am I reinforcing some of the good things I've learned from lessons? Also, some of the things I've done on the uh, driving range where I can actually see and develop my swing and my drills and things like that? Yes. So if anything, it's sort of muscle memory for the good stuff and then being very aware of when something did not feel right or when it's bad and then when you can go out and play or you can't get to a bona fide driving range and see the ball and see what it's doing um you're just better prepared because some of the things i was learning six months ago not quite that but a few months ago um they seemed very natural because that's how i swung the entire time 
that is slowly moving away and the unnatural, which is the correct way to swing that I was learning a few months ago, now feels much more like the natural swing. So 150, 200 bucks maybe, and I've got a setup in my backyard that now, even if it's just an hour on Sunday uh, before I do the podcast or maybe midweek, um, and also um, stays pretty light in Georgia uh, until until the time changes, but I got floodlights back there, so I can get out and do it. It takes about 10 minutes to set it up and practice for 45 minutes. Uh, it's also a good workout, especially in 100-degree weather we have right now. Uh, or Maybe not a good workout, but I'm counting it as a, a good workout. <laughs> but I'm just trying to say that if you're working to improve your own game, there are ways to do it. Uh, I got mine on Amazon. Uh, it sets up quick. It's easy, and it really does. It also just keeps you in the mindset. It means you're thinking about it. Well, that is all for this week. I appreciate y'all listening in. Uh, Hopefully this episode gave you some more context into my golf life, per se, with uh, all the things that kind of encompass it. Next week, we'll be chatting more about uh, some lessons I'm taking this week and then also um, um, how I'm shooting out on the course. So thank you for listening. You can follow me on uh, social media at Elliot P. Hall. I actually have some pictures up. So... uh, Please subscribe, stay up to date, and follow the journey. As always, I'm Elliot Hall. Have a good day, y'all.